0: Hi, and welcome to episode 119 of the Crafty Planner podcast. My name is Sandy Hazelwood, and I will be your host. Through the podcast, I share the stories of makers in our community to inspire you on your own creative journey. This episode is sponsored by The Confident Stitch, a new fabric store specializing in garment fabrics, modern quilting cottons, and great customer service. At The Confident Stitch, you'll also find patterns, notions, And everything else you need to feel empowered expressing yourself through fabric. I love that I can buy gorgeous fabric along with the interfacing or any other notions I might need all in one shop. You can find their website at theconfidentstitch.com or at theconfidentstitch on Instagram. The Confident Stitch is also excited to sponsor today's episode with Amy Butler and is eagerly awaiting her latest collection in the store. I hope you check out (laughs) theconfidentstitch.com. Today's podcast guest is Amy Butler. Living in Ohio, Amy is an artist, fabric designer for Free Spirit Fabrics, teacher, author, and wife. Considered to be one of the leaders and community builders in the modern quilt movement, we delve into her work style, what motivates her, how she met her husband and best friend, her decision to start Blossom Magazine, and so much more. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Amy. Hello, Sandy. Tell me about your creative journey. Whew.
1: Um it's It's been a long one, and it's been it's been fun and interesting. and the the one thing that the thread through it all, and I, I'm still growing, I'm still on this creative journey is um, everything changes in surprising ways. and um, there's a whole bunch of synchronicity in my path, which is which is a fun story. But I I grew up in a really creative family. My mom and my grandma were both artists. And my grandmother especially was a a huge fiber artist. So she quilted, she knitted, Mm -hmm. she crocheted. And my mom kind of followed suit. But my grandma was the one that took me under her wing and actually taught me how to sew when I was six or seven. And she had an amazing sewing space in the attic of her house Mm that they had renovated for her and she had two different machines which sounds familiar for all of us (laughs) and she kind of had a crap machine and she had (laughs) her Cadillac machine and I was I was allowed to to work on her crap machine which really wasn't a crap machine (laughs) and she would open up all of her scrap bags of fabric for me to play in and I I would just lose myself for hours and over time she kind of taught me the basics of sewing and that's really where my passion started and then growing up artistically and being in a creative household, my mom's an earth mother and, and grandma, and we went to lots of flea markets and garage sales. And that's how both grandma and mom decorated our homes. So we always had this really interesting, eclectic space, which really informs a lot of what I love about design. And actually, my home looks very similar to what their homes look like a little bit more modern, but the same kind of appreciation for all the cool old decorative stuff. And so I, I took art, I went to art school. And I went to the Columbus College of Art and Design in 1984. And it was a four and a half year program. It was awesome because all four and a half years I had painting, I had drawing, I had all the fun little classes and so much about what I've done through the years to be able to do the different things that I've done. I I know it, it has a great deal to do with the depth of education I had in art school. And it was an awesome experience for me. And that's when I figured out that I could actually make a living doing this and there's a seed planted in there by somebody and I don't know who did it but I've always felt like I could make a go of this and then when I met David in art school who's my husband he's cut from the same cloth and uh, we fell in love we started dating and we've been together 32 years now which is kind of crazy because
0: I don't feel like I'm that old <laughs> and you don't look that old <laughs> neither of you look that old. <laughs>
1: Um, but it's, it's been a really great journey. And, and, you know, one thing has led to the next. And when I graduated art school, I was hired by Hallmark Cards, but I worked in their non-card division. So they, at the time they had a group called Everyday Entertaining. And so I worked on gift wrap and party goods and fun things like that. And I loved the product and I loved working with the art studio. I was a product developer. And the interesting thing is I, was the interim person I had to take the I worked in a business unit with business people which blew my mind coming from art school (laughs) but I learned so much and um, my job was to take their business plan and turn it into a creative plan and then develop the programs with the art studio directly which was really cool but a big part of it wasn't enough hands-on you know creative satisfaction for me and Mm -hmm as much as I loved and appreciated that experience and actually has helped me in so many areas of our business when we started out on our own years later, that um, I know it was meant to be and it was a great experience. But in my heart, I I wasn't happy creatively. I wasn't doing enough with my hands. And so I was making things on the side. I was sewing everything for our house and like my grandma, my mom, <laughs> going to flea markets and garage sales, <laughs> getting all my fabrics and making things for our home and, and making gifts and passport bags. And I kind of started this little side business. And that was my first Amy Butler Textiles it was my very first brand and business. And David helped me get that started. And I knew it was official when he made my first business card. So that's when I knew <laughs> everything was off and running. So that was, that was really cool. And then um, that was... Late 80s, and all of our families in Ohio, we were living in Missouri, and we really decided that we wanted to be home near our families. And we didn't quite know how we were going to figure that out, but we ended up coming back to Ohio and starting our studio, both of us doing freelance work, and we downsized uh, to a large amount. We sold cars, we rented a farmhouse in the middle of a 107 acre farm in the middle of the countryside. (laughs) Which totally fed my soul, Mm -hmm. and we were just like two creative kids gone wild. And David would drive to Columbus and get freelance work, and I was picking and bagging apples, and I was painting surface designs at night. It was crazy. (laughs) I was like Laura Ingalls Wilder of um, print design, (laughs) and we loved being on the farm. and We actually thought we'd be back on a farm someday, but that's not that's not how it came together. Mm -hmm. And then. Then we moved uh, into a nearby town, Mount Vernon, where David's family is. And we bought our first house. It was our first art piece. And at that time, we, um, I was doing illustration for David for his projects. Um, I was sewing a lot. I was um, making a lot of projects and quilts and things for our home and gifts. And we were connected to Country Living Magazine through friends. And they came and saw our house. They photographed us. And I told you this was long.
0: I'm enjoying every minute of it. You keep going.
1: (laughs) It's fun to see all the dots connect. Yeah. And then they shot our house. We really connected with the creative editor at the time, Nancy, Nancy Martin Sariano. And she invited us to freelance as contributing editors. And she found out about my fabric stash. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, you can't miss it when you're in our house. And at the time, we didn't have the internet yet. It was 1997, and the only way to get projects from the stories she wanted me to develop was to create sewing patterns. And I got the idea from my friend Nora Corbett, who is a sewing. he's a not a sewing pattern designer. She's a needlepoint designer, cross stitch designer, and she and her husband had a business making patterns. And so I'm like, well, let's try this. And I licensed the Country Living brand. Mm -hmm. and that was my first foray into licensing. And I had started Country Living sewing Patterns by Amy Butler, and we distributed the projects that were my stories through the magazine for a couple years, and everything started to change. The internet arrived, and they stopped their fulfillment service. But meanwhile, there were still people that wanted the sewing patterns. Readers were writing, and you know how everybody is with the Country Living magazines. You know, you don't throw them away. (laughs) (laughs) They're like Bibles. (laughs) And... So readers kept calling in, and they kept connecting me to readers, and I kept sending them patterns. And I thought, well, maybe I could, you know, have an interesting side business. I was doing illustration full time, and we were working on um, a couple of our first books, Found Style, and some other cookbooks and projects we were working on. And I went to my local quilt shop where I bought a lot of my fabric, and I asked, showed them the patterns, and they really didn't have anything that looked like that. And I said, do you have any idea where I could market these? I don't even know where to begin. And She said, well, there's this show called the International Quilt Market. (laughs) And it's in, you know, it's in Kansas City and Houston and different places. And um, that would probably be the best place. Uh, And I said, would you like to carry these patterns in your shop? She said, well, no, I really don't know that I could sell them. (laughs) (laughs) Which I appreciated her honesty. She's like, I don't think it's a lot of quilters here. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of my projects for the magazine were kind of a twist on on the vintage style with making accessories and a lot of home decor items. And, and so that's mainly what my patterns were a lot of bags. So I ended up at my first quilt market uh, that spring, which was, um, I think it was 1999 or 2000. And I set up my booth just like I would style a photo shoot for the magazine. I didn't, I had no idea how to do any of that stuff. And I, I was at the show and, and I didn't look like anybody else. And, um, which was intriguing for a lot of people and exciting Mm -hmm. for a lot of people and and maybe somewhat frightening for others. But (laughs) it was was a great experience. And at the end of that show, I I ended up, um, I was approached by six or seven different fabric companies inviting me to create a collection, which has always been uh, a dream of mine and a passion of mine. And I remember going into quilt shops and looking at the salvage edges of the fabric and just wondering how in the heck do you do that? Like, that would just be incredible. And, um, so one thing led to the next and my first collection was with free spirit and I'm with free spirit now. And it was just a great, um, you know, tandem kind of thing happening with the, my sewing patterns and the fabrics working beautifully together and sort of building, building the idea of, um, Creating inspirations from a lifestyle focus. And mm. and truly, you know, Martha Stewart, I have to credit Martha Stewart for creating that voice in the design world, um, in the visual creative world, because um she really kind of paved the way for people to start storytelling. Um, and, and that's what inspired us, and that's how we were developing the books we were doing in other projects. So it's kind of what we knew. And so David started doing a lot of photography and I was designing the patterns and writing the patterns and, um, of course, designing my fabric. And the Amy Butler brand actually came out of necessity because I had to stop working with Country Living because they could only distribute their brand in the United States because they're only trademarked mm. in the United States, which makes sense because that's their core audience. Yeah. And so um, that's how the Amy Butler green logo came about and that that evolution of a brand actually kind of happened so that I could share my patterns with other folks, you know, globally. And mm-hmm. uh, because the interest was growing and ever since then it's just been a wild ride, a creative adventure. I love every collection. I really it's one of my favorite things to do and it's such an important part of my life to be able to express and share that pleasure that I have in making art. And uh, it's I continue to learn new things about myself as an artist and especially enjoy learning about how what what the fabrics how they're how they're being taken into people's lives and how they inspire others and empower them and, and what they create and make with the design so it's it's really been an incredible uh, gift and opportunity to be able to do that and there's more to come I, god knows what's going to happen next but I, i'm pretty sure it's going to be good <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you're, you're often considered one of the most supportive and approachable designers in the industry. And you've said before that it's really important to you that you both share and embody love, but why is that so fundamental to your practice?
1: I think, I think it's a, it's an operating system. I, -hmm. I, I know that I, my life has a positive experience when I am operating from that place. And I know I'm more creative. I'm more open. I I feel like everybody has their own unique way of seeing the world, the way of expressing themselves. And definitely everybody has their own fingerprint and their creativity. And so, you know, there have been times when I've been nervous and afraid, you know, when my designs early on were were copied by international companies that have no copyright law and things like that. And it was a little confusing and overwhelming, but you know, once I let go of the idea that, um, there's room for everybody and, and you know, I've had plenty of people along my path and continue to have people on my path that help me and love me and guide me and share their wisdom and knowledge. And I guess the spirit of generosity just, just helps it all work for me. And and I know it helps other people and, that's for me that's why I do what I do it's you know it it is self-serving in that I love this (laughs) and I love that I get to that designing fabric contributes to how I make a living and um, that was it and uh, I I'd like to see other people finding their path and it might be fabric design it might be graphic design I, I have people ask me questions a lot about you know how did you figure that out or what was your experience like in this or that arena and i'm happy to share and and we all are interpreting things and applying them in our own unique ways so mm-hmm. i you know i that's why i believe in it so much and i hope it inspires other people to do the same once once you get com- comfortable with that spot in your life you realize that there really isn't any competition
0: you've talked about kind of taking that a little bit further where in the beginning you know there's a lot of trying to work and create things that other people will like um and then you've said that you've kind of come to that other side of it and you talk about it as working from the inside out um can you talk about that a little bit more because i'm really fascinated by that idea and what allowed you to make that change in your process
1: well i think um Personally, for me, my personal growth and you know everything that we do is tied into how we create and, and how we access our creativity and how we can make that available to others by sharing. And I think when I was reaching a, a certain level of success in doing this, um, I got fearful that it might go away. Mm. And that fear comes from programming and things that I've learned along the way from my upbringing and well-meaning folks and all that stuff. It's all part of who I am. and And dealing with that has helped me grow. And um, realizing that I was working my butt off, and I was growing this business into something that was way beyond a manageable, balancing, balanceable piece. So it was growing beyond boundaries that would benefit everybody involved. So it was becoming too much of a challenge. It was becoming too hard and it was becoming stressful. And that's that was a big red flag for me to slow things down and evaluate, first of all, what's going on with me and going inside and really taking a look at my operating system and figuring out what was working and what wasn't working for me. And so that's that's really been the impetus of my my growth and understanding and then how I create and I've always you know I've always created from what I love and what inspires me as an artist and I think when you look at our industry our favorite designers are all creating from that place I think there's a authenticity about that and I think we can't always put it to words but that's why we're drawn to the work and the prints and the designs and it makes us feel great and I think it's also a reflection of of the person viewing it like they see themselves in it i mean mm-hmm. I, when i when my my fabric stash and everything i have i collect a lot of other designers fabrics and i play with my own i mix it all together that's how i prefer to quilt and it's, it's that spirit it's that energy and and so um you know of recent you know i've really learned that i've been doing this a long time and the industry is changing again you know it's, yeah. it's growing in new directions and Sometimes it's scary for people because it's such a big change, but um, I, I believe that it's evolving into it, what the next level of what it needs to be. And, you know, it's really important for me to continue to pay attention to how people are selling, what they're making. You know, for me, I come from fashion and interior is my background. And so I love giant prints. I love, <laughs> I love I love crazy, bold things and I'll continue to make crazy, bold things, but You know, of late, my last few collections, I've really tried to be more sensitive about scale because of how people are designing and working with the fabrics. And so uh, from that perspective, I think it's really critical to understand, you know, how the end user are working with your materials. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, retaining um, the soul of what turns me on always. And that's why I love it. If I started working from a space of wonder what colors are going to be popular or I wonder if. Wonder if I should do snakes? <laughs>
0: <laughs> then I think I could get into a lot of trouble. You, you've also said that you like to do the thing that fear tells you not to do. Yeah,
1: because that means that's a that's a hurdle to get through. That's mm-hmm. that's that's where my real growth is going to happen, mm-hmm. and that's where the breakthroughs are going to happen internally, you know, soulfully, but especially creatively. Mm-hmm. And that also gets me thinking out of what I what my comfort zone is like I I like to start to work this way I like to do this I like to put my line together this way or I like to build this concept this way and um challenging myself in other areas has me opening up and seeing what my patterns are and and when I shift them that puts a whole new energy in what I'm doing with my artwork and and in my relationships, everything. It's, you know, all those pieces um, become way more satisfying.
0: Well, and you've written with and you've co-hosted retreats with a life coach that you've worked with. How has that coached influenced your perspective?
1: Well, I, I I coach with the Handel group Mm -hmm. and the Handel group has a particular methodology that they use in assisting you in identifying what your new, what your dream is right now, and not dream like fairy tale dream, but like what your what your vision is for where you want to head next in any area of your life. It could be body, you know, your weight, your health. It could be your creative creative business. It could be your your relationship with your husband or your family or your parents or your siblings. I mean, there's so many opportunities for growth, and so what my coach has helped me do. And I've, I've, i worked with Hildy Dunn from the Handel group she's been my coach for um, seven and a half years. And I've also done a lot of the group coaching, which I enjoy because you're interacting with others and you, you know, everything, everybody shares are gold nuggets for you, of course. And I've also taken part in, they have these designer life weekends, which, which are kind of these compacted intensive weekends where you're exposed to all the methodology and you do, um, uh, a lot of deep work and it really gets you off the ground in terms of you know you leave that weekend with a game plan your next steps are and how you're going to do it and it's the action piece which is so empowering and and also the step-by-step process of working with these ideas and the methodology is moved me forward um, especially in my my relationships um, with my husband with my studio mates with my family it's I've seen dynamic changes in my side, in, within myself and with my, my relationship with my family and also the, the growth of my studio and like where I'm headed next and really what I want to do. And it, it puts you in the driver's seat. And it's not that the fear is not there, but you have a plan and you have a way of achieving these things and doing the work step by step, very, very simple step by step, not overwhelming that gets you further down the path. And what keeps happening for me in my experience with coaching is, as I grow in in this area, it links to another area where that growth is going to benefit, sort of spills over into all these other areas of your life. And then it inspires me to deal with another area that I'm ready to grow and take care of. So it's been, life changing is, is such a, sounds like a trite explanation, but it really has been extremely Uh, and powerful and and that's why that's really a a big part of the inspiration internal inspiration how blossom magazine happened and also how i weave together everything that i love and what i do and and how that feeds into um the platform where i really want to uplift people enrich people and empower people inspire them to grow their own creativity so that's how i see everything that i'm doing in all these different areas is making sense and is is part of my dream, one of my dreams with the work that I'm doing on the coaching too.
0: I wanted to touch on that a little bit because, you know, when I provide the introduction to this podcast, I'm gonna say, you know, you're an author and a fabric designer and, you know, the variety of many things that you've done. But when I think of you, none of those things are the first thing that comes to mind. I think of you as being a community builder and an advocate. And so when you hear people say to you, you know, your fabric made me feel like I had a place in the quilting world or, you know, your garment design helped me see that I could make something that fit myself, which just gave me so much more self-esteem. How does that feel to you when you hear that feedback?
1: I, I, it it surprises me in, um, in, in, in a humbling kind of a way it's, um, it's really, it's really satisfying to know um, that there are so many different ways that uh, it just illustrates for me. There's so many different ways we can touch people's lives, and we have no idea, and the magic in that, and um, it's really beautiful to meet people. I f- I feel like it's such a doorway to uh, feel connected to a lot of people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I'm really happy that. Um, any little thing that I can do can, um, just be a catalyst for somebody. You know, it really, it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's just that I'm like, a, I see myself as an extension cord to their
0: <laughs> happy experience. That's a great term. I love that. <laughs> um, you touched a little bit on blossom. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. Both the aspect of why you decided to move forward with Blossom, how the changing world of patterns maybe brought that on, but also how it's created a place where maybe you felt vulnerable, but has been so accepted. So can you talk about it from both perspectives?
1: Yeah, sure. From from the pattern side of the, the pattern business and the pattern world changing, for sure. Uh, when I was exploring, trying to think of unique ways to bring the pattern inspiration to people in a new way and digital patterns were starting to, to really grow and was becoming, you know, our, our, we live online, all of us. I mean, that's the wave of the future. in many aspects, it's not, it's not going to be the whole future. Obviously I, I don't think that at all, but it, it is an important piece. And I thought to be truly productive and being able to get, inspiration of people in a new way and also to maybe have them experience sewing patterns in a different way to, to connect to the inspiration in a different way that's where the idea of working with issue and doing the online um, magazine came together mm-hmm. and it was kind of a, a critical point for me personally Then, as I said earlier when I was talking about you know I started coaching I've been doing some other work and I thought wow it just a light bulb went off I'm like well this is so much more than Uh, sewing patterns as part of it that's it's a creative thing for sure but this could be so much more and uh this this could be this could do a lot of good for people it could be an outlet for me to um to to show people that um it's okay to to totally be yourself and be vulnerable and to go for what matters to you most and Mm -hmm. to spend energy in things that you value. And also to really go for your dream. It could be your dream could be, I just want to sew five hours, uh, you know, three days a week. And I've got three small kids and my husband's working full time and I'm working part time on top of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everybody's dreams going to be different, but you know, uh, just to be able to see, um, to highlight the beauty in the world, to highlight the positive potential in all of us and to empower people, hopefully reflecting the stories would reflect on themselves where they could understand or take in the journey of somebody else and how it'd be so relatable to them. And I think that's the effect that it's having. I think the responses that I'm getting from people are that you know that these ideas move them, that it helped them envision you know, what they could do in their own life in a different way. And honestly, it's enough to just look at beautiful photos and be inspired by that. And I think that's probably the most important piece Mm -hmm. to allow that time to like soak it in. And it just sort of ticks something off inside of you when you experience beauty and you just take in something that simple and how it pours over into the rest of your day and then how you are with your family. And then maybe it sparks like, you know what, I think I'm going to sit down for 30 minutes and work on this quilt. Mm -hmm. When you've been saying that you didn't have time for months and, you know, whatever it is, um, I think it sparks a positive vibration and that's going to be something different for every individual that looks at the magazine. And that's why it's so low on copy. I try to keep the text down and the visuals high Mm -hmm. because I think that is where we, we can touch people the deepest.
0: I feel like it's a perfect marriage between the visuals and the story. Um, you know, I was reading through them yesterday um, to kind of prepare for today, but and you know, I felt like I'll just bring up Kari Mang for example. You know, like her French general trips and looking at all the pictures and just falling in love all over again with this idea of going to France with Kari and Molly. You know, and um, or seeing your pictures from Egypt, and maybe I will never get there. But I feel like I have been there a little bit, like my soul has been there in a way that I think everybody can identify with, you know, everyone can say, maybe I don't, you know, I remember those sleepless nights when my daughter was up every 45 minutes and literally all I would get would be this magazine, you know? And so it gave me a little bit, now I have more time. And so now I look at it and say, oh, that bag, remember I was in love with that bag. Let me go back and look at that pattern, you know? uh, Yeah. Now I have some time to do it. And so it's, it's soul nurturing i think is the way that i i see it and i can see all the love that you put into it both in the words who you pick to curate um you know their their journeys it just there's so much in that and and i feel like it is you like it is you and it's david too there's a lot of david in that
1: oh no i mean um david is david is the He's the visual genius behind the feel of the magazine and, and he's just that kind of man. I mean, that's mm-hmm. from the first time I met him, he and I, I watch him do this with mm-hmm. other people. That's a big gift of his. And um, he knows how to tap into your heart of what you want to express. And and he does it with visuals. He'll he'll do it with editing or writing this or that for me. And I mean, it's just it's it's kinda it's crazy um, how in he is with that that's a big gift of his, how he's able to do that. And and I know people feel that and I'm so glad that you said that because um he's he is, you know, we're a rogue little outfit here with Blossom Magazine. It's Dave <laughs> and I and Sheila Brex and Susan Susan who works with us in the studio too, she's our manager, she, she keeps us in line and, and Sheila helps helps me coordinate um all the advertisers and um, helps me with the outreach and takes beautiful care of everybody and coordinates the sewing and our our love it make it projects sheila Mm -hmm. is the genius behind all of that so um and then we have ladies in our community through all the the things that are sewn and created that we share are made by friends in our community Mm -hmm. that help bring it all to life so it's it's definitely a huge collaborative effort and it's it's makes us giddy because we're so small and it's just, I feel like it's such a pure little nu- nugget, you know, when every, every issue releases. And I'm, I'm so proud of the efforts that everybody makes. And uh, I'm so glad that, that you could
0: feel that. Definitely. I want to talk about David and then I'm going to come back to the, the, your, um, your friends. Cause I, I have something funny about that too. Okay. But, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, with you and David, you're I feel like a true partnership. And David has said, you guys are friends first and that you have rules about sort of like personal versus professional, like no work talk after a certain amount of time. Um, But how do you organize your life to be supportive of each other?
1: That's, that's a great question. That is an ongoing work in progress because our lives are, both of our lives are changing all the time in the scope of what he's doing right now, creatively, professionally, he's doing a lot of um, brand marketing and advertising development with his friends, the Keen Company here in Granville. Mm-hmm. And one of his big clients is Designer She Warehouse. And his time is really, really special and protected. So a lot of what I'm learning to do, what I've learned to do, and working with Sheila and Susan too, how we protect Dave's time is we organize what we're doing and we come to him with specific things and plenty of time and just gently like feather things into his world. And so it's a respect of understanding what's on his plate and, and also me planning ahead and, and giving him, um, uh, having him help me work on things that, that, you know, we want to do in the future, like the next issue of the magazine or a photo shoot for the next fabric collection and so on. And, and really respecting, looking ahead and saying, can we just rough this in right now? And, you know, we can always be flexible. And the main thing about it that we both try to do with each other is total flexibility mm. and letting go. Like you can plan your day all you want. And sometimes <laughs> shit hits the fan and you just have to be at ease and let it go. Yeah. And I think in those moments, it counts the most when you can support each other yeah. and just say, hey, you know what? That's cool. It wasn't supposed to happen today. Uh, let's do plan B. And every time we let go like that, plan B is always way better. Wow. Always, definitely. So flexibility, I think, um, and respecting each other's time are the two key pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. I have read through like your daily um, activities and you talk about cooking at night with your friends and So I reached out to Heather Givens, because Heather and I are friends. And I said, Heather, you know, I'm getting ready to interview Amy. Has there a question that you've always wanted to ask her? And, and she said, No, but, but can you ask her about that time? She almost killed me on a pontoon boat. (laughs) So, um, it's true. <laughs> so Amy, you get to tell this story because, um, I love Heather. And so if she's telling me, this is what I need to ask you. This is what I need to ask you.
1: <laughs> All she had to do was say her name. and I started laughing. I know. Um, she's the best. My face hurts. And she just, oh my God, I love her so much. Well, it's true. Um, Heather and Jamie were visiting Dave and I in down in Tennessee, we Love going to Watauga Lake down there. We had rented a cottage and it was the beginning of July. I think it was was July 6th to be exact, because we just had the anniversary of the storm. Mm. And we're out on a pontoon boat. We're having a wonderful day. She was getting a little too much sun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She went on the boat with no sunscreen. (laughs) And she's not the (laughs) darkest person in the world. (laughs) No, no, she's so
1: cute. She's like, this sun feels good. I don't need sunscreen. Oh my God, you almost and, said it um, exactly how she talks too. Oh, oh Lord. So it's afternoon, we're, we're starting to head back and ra- a rainstorm starts to happen. And mm-hmm. we're trying to outrun the rain and the rain's getting more intense. And then pretty soon, we're just in the middle of it. It's hilarious. And we're doing funny things with our faces in the rain, as you can imagine. Yes. And we get back to the marina, drop the boat off, Storm's getting a little bit more intense. We have about a 25-minute drive back to the cottage. We get out of the car at the cottage, and um, we hear this wind that wouldn't stop. Like, Mm. "Ah." I'm like, well, that's a powerful wall of rain. Dave's like, honey, I don't think that's rain. You guys get in the house right now. So we get inside the cabin. It's all glass. Dave proceeds to go over near the window in the cooler to grab a beer, (laughs) oddly enough. (laughs) And we're all standing there. And meanwhile, a tornado goes by, oh and my gosh. We, we didn't see the funnel plow. But it was a, a straight line wind slash tornado, wow. and um, there were two waves of the high wind that went through through um, through the property and just decimated trees. I mean, oh, it, it was wow. incredible. And we didn't have power for a day and a half. And they decided to stay. <laughs> so we proceeded to go to the nearest town with electricity, in Mountain City, and of course we had to stop at the thrift store, which was pretty random. And then we went to the grocery, and we went to this camp store, and we, we were getting sterno logs. <laughs> and we get back to the cottage, and the power came back. Up. Of course,
0: that's the way. That
1: but yes, we were responsible for their lives, and they were
0: they were uh, in a dangerous spot. But um, <laughs> we laughed our way through it. But you also have an amazing story about it yeah <laughs> so right isn't everything about the amazing story it is well talking about that i l- I have watched the evolution of your fabric lines as somebody who's used them. And um, I'm going to go at some point and dig out my first quilt, uh, maybe after we're done recording and show it to you, because there's a lot of Amy Butler in that. Um, But I feel like I've seen almost where you've traveled through your fabric lines. You know, you travel a little bit and then there's this little like hoppy. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I see it. So take me through your fabric design process. Like, where do you create? I think you create in your studio at home. Like, do you use vision boards? Are you in this nice, clean space? Um, Like, I'm just curious about where is Amy? What does it look like when she's designing?
1: (laughs) I should have Susan come in here and tell you. (laughs) Well, it's not a nice, white, clean space. Um, It was at one point. And i've been I've been living like a wild badger in here making a lot of art. and um, so I uh, actually i I am probably the messiest I've ever been, but maybe the most creative. I don't mm. know what that means, but i'm I'm actually I, I hit a threshold and I have to I have to slow myself down and just kind of reorganize and I, I love to purge.
0: so when you're working, I feel like you've done so many different things you've licensed you're you've you're really particular about making sure you license to high quality products and so when do you and you have to say yes and you have to say no right so how do you decide what projects you work on it's
1: it's really based on the the dream or the vision that I've been crafting um, where I, where I, the stage I am right now mm-hmm. and that becomes the filter that new opportunities come through. Mm-hmm. And so because I have a, a, a clear vision and a dream of like where I want to go next, um, there are benchmarks. And also mm-hmm. I have really learned the skill of really listening to my heart and what feels good and, and really understanding the importance of what I want to do with my time mm-hmm. and the balance of my life. Because I think everybody could say they pretty easily could work 24 hours a day and keep busy. And then you, you don't get a, to enjoy anything that you're creating. <laughs> so I, I, I really, I'm very protective of my time. And so um, the, the things that I choose to do have to kind of meet that, that simple criteria of, you know, it has to, to be a passion. It has to to relate to the vision of the dream and like, you know, what I want to bring to the world and what I want to experience in my life. And that has really been extremely helpful. And it's also helped me navigate the ending of some of my previous professional relationships with some Mm -hmm. licenses. And not only has my business changed and my life changed, but of course all these other companies have changed and they've been bought out, taken over, reorganized, new staff, new team, Sometimes a lot less money, sometimes a lot less time, and sometimes a lot less knowledge. And so the nature of the relationships change. And I've learned that I can beautifully have conversations about what's working, what's not working, if there's a possibility to resolve things, to make a new plan with somebody and or to graciously say, you know, thank you for this opportunity, but it's time for me to go. Mm-hmm. And without burning bridges, without any stress or drama, there's no drama. And actually, I'm, I'm still working on the art of becoming a really good listener. And it's really important to understand their perspective and what the relationship means to them and what they're up against and what they're dealing with. And that has helped me, I think, become a much better partner. And I've I've really slowed down with the licensing because I think I mentioned earlier, I was really growing too fast out of control. I mean, there were definitely things I wanted to do, but I had a naive idea about how it was all going to happen. And then, but, you know, the beauty of life is you learn from your (laughs) mistakes and the mistakes are really opportunities. And I, I really believe that... What we might deem as negative and challenging is like some of the best stuff that could ever happen to us because it's really equally important to know what you don't want to do as much as you know what you want to do.
0: I think one of the reasons that people have said that you are so approachable, and it's the thing that I noticed about you and David when I met you at Market... Is that in the the craziness of market, you know, where everybody's running around, they've got schoolhouses, they're, you know, trying to be in their booths and, you know, just everything that's going on is that you are present. You are looking at somebody, you are, I think, going through your mental file cabinet about what you know about this person and you're you're thinking about them and you're completely focused on that at that moment. And I feel like a lot of people... um, maybe just don't realize that, or we're not exposed enough to that. Like everybody's so rushed and so busy and so hurried. And you make a conscientious effort to be in that moment. Um, And you've said that that's something that you've learned over time. And now as I'm listening to you talk about being a better listener, I realize how much that really is a part of who you are. And you focus on being that type of person.
1: I, I try. And sometimes I'm better at it than not. And the other thing I'm learning is when I'm not good at it, That I can go back to that person and say, "Wow, I really didn't feel like I was a good listener here in this situation," and um, and so many words and so much time having them leaving the conversation, having them know that they matter and that you know apologizing for not being present for them when they needed needed me or needed my attention. Mm -hmm. Because um, so I I really try to practice it. And at quilt market, it's um, sometimes it's a little bit easier at quilt market when I'm in my Mm -hmm. booth because that is my one role for that weekend is I'm there for people. I'm, I'm there to share what I'm doing. I'm there to listen and hear their stories and, and share in their excitement and share in their inspirations. And, and, you know, as, as you know, when you talk to people and you've talked to so many people, you really get their life story, which is, which is also, I, I feel like a, a responsibility to, um, take it in, whatever they want to share. And I I really enjoy that, that time with people. Mm -hmm. And then I find that it's trickier at home. And, and lately I'm, I'm really learning a lot about, we, we just bought this lake house in Tennessee. This is a long story coming around quickly, but we've been in and out of the studio a lot And this spring. I had a lot of business like monkey, I call it monkey business, fun travel. And it, it makes the rhythm of working with my team. Sometimes more challenging because I can start moving too fast. And meanwhile, everybody's home working working the mojo and I'm popping in and out all the time. And I think at times I've done a better job at reconnecting, connecting back in as I come and go. And now I'm learning like, okay, how can I really take this to the next level and do a better job with and um, Susan and Dave and um, have it be be chill and easy and design it that way and um, designing my time and what I'm doing with it and how I'm being is also part of what I'm learning through my coaching with Handel. So it's, it's really, you know, it, when I'm up against something and I'm moving, I start to move too fast and that's where I think my communication suffers with other people, but I am a work in progress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm getting better and better. <laughs> well, and, and it's amazing that you continue to be a work in progress. You know, I think some people have, gotten to their point and they're sort of done, they're like, I'm just not going to attain anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to change anymore. But, you know, you've talked about like reading Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and really focusing on how to be the most efficient that you can be. Um, you know, you've also said things like we do cut off, you know, at five thirty or whatever time and we have dinner together and yeah. yet you're so prolific. And it's because you focus on that, you focus on being prolific, but in a meaningful way.
1: Thank you. Well, wow, that's that's well said. That's how it feels. I feel that the more that Dave and I have learned to really carve our time out like that, because mm-hmm. we work out of our home like you do, and so mm-hmm. you know what it's like. You definitely. You know, we, it, it's nice to be able to slip down in the studio on the weekend every now and <laughs> then because sometimes it, it's just needed. But that's the exception and not the norm. And yes. I think because we have this time to like fill our buckets back up, like in our relationships, like downtime, having fun, being creative, travel that when we are working, we're really effective. And um, also that just puts everything in perspective. And in, in many ways, um, the, the, you we've know, been practicing that long enough that the results are definitely um, very positive coming from that
0: space. Yeah. What advice do you have for people that are trying to find their own creative voice? I think... I think you need
1: to to write, just free, free write everything that turns you on as a person, as an artist. And also go to the level of what you would love to do right now in your life. And also understand that it's never going to stay the same. And that it's okay. And that change is good. And that what you have to offer the world is just as valuable as you starting new in in any creative industry as it is a seasoned person that's been doing what you know something in that industry for a long time, and I think cult, what's hard in our culture is that you know there's a lot of internal dialogue that we that we have that's I'm not going to be good enough. Somebody's already doing it. There's too much competition. It's already saturated and. And that's a hard thing to figure out that it's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of have to trial and error that stuff for yourself, but you have to get over the idea that you don't have something you need to offer. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's really important to try to get clear on what it is that would really make you happy. Not what would make your parents happy or what would make your husband happy, Um those are all conversations to have with your husband, like designing, (laughs) you can design, you know, how you're going to have this dream and work as a team and support him and support yourself, but you can't give up what would make you happy. And that's, that's the fatal choice.
0: Yeah, definitely. What do you consider to be your greatest achievement?
1: Oh, my greatest achievement. Um, Um, I'm I'm stumped that's Mm. I don't know that I can I I guess I have a lot of things different things I'm proud of and um, I guess I guess creatively right now would be growing to the point where I'm open to letting my creative life look completely different in many ways. I'm really proud of that. And, mm-hmm. and proudest moments of achievement in my personal life would be really working on the the parts of myself that were getting in the way of my relationships with my family and um, with other people in my life that I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I think that's one of my greatest um, achievements also. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, I know there'll be more. I, I think the more that I, I let go of having to paint the same picture in my life, I think the more magic is going to happen. And I'm in a, I'm, I guess I'm a proud of being that space of trying to work with that space in myself and my life creatively and personally to uh, let a lot more great experiences happen once I get out of my own way.
0: Yeah. Well, and, I just love some of the things that you've said over time. So if I can just repeat them, because I think you said them differently, but (laughs) you said things like, you know, you should do what you love and love what you do, you know, which I think is really important when people are looking at, you know, trying to look for their creative voice, you know, like you're saying, find the things that you're passionate about and that where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. I love that concept, you know, especially as you're talking about your creative journey and making all the connections that have gotten you to where you are today, uh, even though they may seem disparate, they're really not, you know, um, and to do your work from your genuine place, you know. And um, so maybe when I think of your greatest achievement, you know, I talked about you being a community builder and an advocate I mean, I know I personally saw your fabric and I'm also a flower girl like you. I also loved a garden. But it finally made me feel like there was a place for me for my aesthetic, um, and that it encouraged me to say, how can I? create something with, with this fabric that I'm so compelled to buy and that I absolutely love. And so maybe I can put that as a placeholder for your greatest achievement, oh, um, thank just you. Wow. to be in that space for not just me, for lots and lots and lots of people that may not get the chance to say thank you. Like I can get to thank you now. So. Oh, Sandy, thank you. That that means an
1: awful lot.
0: That's um. beautiful. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, gosh. I, I mean, it's like
0: we just started talking. I just,
1: I, <laughs> well, this has been so, so nice. And I really appreciate your sensi- sensitivity and your your thoughtfulness about how you create what you created. And our interview is just a reflection of that. And I really enjoyed myself. (laughs) I think this is so wonderful to be able to spend this time with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you again for listening and to The Confident Stitch for sponsoring today's episode. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can leave a review or subscribe for the latest episodes on either iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. I also want to thank those listeners who support the podcast through donations. You help pay for my operating costs, as well as the time I spend researching each guest and bringing you the stories of our industry. I really appreciate your support. Please check out craftyplanner.com for show notes from today's episode. Until next time, stay crafty, my friends.